I'm of the opinion that everybody knows what hard work looks like and what hard work doesn't look like. And if you have dudes that are lazy on the floor, that won't dive, that won't, that won't give for one another, it's not as fun to watch. Welcome to the Jamodi Podcast, where we interview coaches and leaders to find out not just what they do, but how they do what they do. Becoming the best version of ourselves is Jamodi, just a matter of doing it. Today, we are joined by head men's basketball coach of Legacy Christian Academy in Frisco, Texas, Cole Johnson. Coach Johnson was the head coach at Naaman Forest High School before coming to Legacy. Since being at Legacy, he's led the Eagles to three TAPS 5A state championship appearances, winning the state championship two times in 2019 and 2020. Coach Johnson has been twice named TABC Coach of the Year. He was recently inducted into the Greenville University Athletic Hall of Fame for leading the men's basketball program to the SLIAC regular season championship in 1996. Before we hear from Coach, take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media at Jamodi Podcast. How does culture drive performance? Hmm. You know, my first in, my, my first response to that, Matt, was uh, how does it not? How does how does culture not drive performance? Um, relation. One thing I've learned recently, or it's or it's crystallized recently, is um, relationships over revenue. Uh, coaches operate on a currency of relationships. You know, for some folks, their gifts are financial planning. Some of it is making a dollar. For us, we take who we are. We, and we impart who we are and immerse it into who, who our kids are. Um, and so we operate on a currency of relationships. And, and, and ideally, that return on investment um, is, is we're overjoyed as coaches when we see our kids uh, return the favor, so to speak, by investing in somebody else. Hmm. Um, but we, we try and teach them how to fail. Uh, we try and teach them how to succeed. We try and steer, uh, help them be better than us. Um, and so we invest, we deposit, we withdraw. Um, but the bottom line is people, you know, the bulk of kids are not going to remember their records. They're not going to remember specific, some, some like overall, the specifics of it. Um, there are going to be a few. You know, I averaged 17.8 points per game, blah, 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 blah. I averaged this many rebounds. You know, there are going to be a few that remember that. But the whole thing about it is they're going to remember the relationships. They're going to remember their, the experiences and the memories and how people responded to that. So, um, you know, with that, um, you culture has to drive performance. Ultimately, that's what uh, it's almost that's what we're reduced to as a whole of a team. Um, and, and, um, when we have we versus I, um, I'm going to, I can't stand it when coaches stand and talk to, Hey, I need you to do this. I need you to do that because as a player, my mentality was, well, you might need that, but I don't care. <laughs> right. Right. And, and what's in it for us? What's in it for we? You transfer that ownership, it puts everybody on a similar level, even though they have different roles, and the kids start owning it. And then they, then, then our job is to then guide that culture uh, into, uh, in, in a manner that 
we can hopefully see uh, the growth from that. The, the, we can see the product from that. So I don't know if that, I don't know if that's clear as mud, um, but the idea is just how does it not, how does culture not drive performance? Yeah. I love that, I love what you said about, about basically giving more ownership to your players and allowing for them to, after you've set up the culture and the standards, allowing them to take it and, and run with it. What are some, what are some ways though that you enable your players? Cause I don't think it's natural. I don't think it's natural for players to want to lead uh, overall and want to own that culture. So what do you do re relationally with your players to give them that power and that trust? Well, I, I'll tell them. I'll tell them every year we have five dudes that want to play basketball. That's great because that means I can coach again, <laughs> you know, but, but ultimately this is up to you guys. I, I'm out of eligibility. Yeah. The most we can play for anymore really is a t-shirt. And I, I don't, I mean, I, I can always use another t-shirt, but <laughs> um, you know, it, that's all we have. I, I can't get on the floor and score for them. They have to choose to do that. We have to do that together. I can help guide, but I, I, I will tell them that guys, this is up to you. Mm. And, and I'm fortunate to be uh, at a school that's called Legacy Christian Academy. What do you want your legacy to be? Yeah. Who do you want to be remembered for? Do you want to be remembered for somebody that's non-committal, that 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 throws out a half-baked plan, that goes into games ill-prepared? Is that what you want? What are you leaving behind? Hmm. What are you leaving for the next guy? And so a lot of questions like that. Uh, but then, you know, I know Jason Garrett always took a lot of heat for some for for this phrase, but it's, it's about the process. Yeah, yeah. The process. And, and that, that pulls emotion out of it uh, because now things become a bit more rote. Um, and, and, and so I, I will tell them that, guys, this is the culture that you want to create. Yeah. We will go, we'll either fly or crash based on you. And I'm not talking about wins or losses. You know, people love to watch hard work. Hmm. So let's work, you know, and, and, and I'm, I'm of the opinion that everybody knows what hard work looks like and what hard work doesn't look like. And if you have dudes that are lazy on the floor, that won't dive, that won't that won't give for one another, uh, it's not as fun to watch. When you have a team that's that feels like it's them versus the world, it's uh, it, they they will crash, and people won't want to go watch them. They won't get support, and this just creates this big chasm. And so it's guys, okay, you. Culture is everything. How can we, I will ask them this, if you have concentric circles, you know, one right around the other, how is it possible for us to impact high school basketball on a national level? A lot of kids will go, no, <laughs> right? Is it possible for us to impact Texas basketball, North Texas basketball? Um, let's, you know, TAPS 5A District 1 basketball. Is it possible for us to impact legacy athletics, legacy boys athletics? So you have all these kind of concentric circles. What can we control? What can we impact? We can do that for through being kind and working hard. If you're kind and you work hard, you don't really even need to be that smart. 
people will want to give you jobs because <laughs> you work hard. And, and so a lot of that is just going to come down to, hey, we're going to work as hard as we can and we're going to be kind. But we have to think about what we want to leave behind for others. And so constantly trying to push that ownership yeah. um, and, and, and figuring out what they want to commit to. And that's really hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. I, I think, though, you're, you're, a couple big things you said is instead of using I, use we when speaking. Because it's like you said, it's not just your culture, your ideas that you're trying to press on them that they have to do or else. And then also that idea of choose, of choice. They get to choose. They get to choose to play at Legacy or not. They can just go to school there. They don't have to play basketball. So when they have that choice, then they get to choose the culture that they want. Do they want something positive? Do they want something that, like you said, will impact many people? And, and there's something powerful about the choice that the, that the players have. And when they make that, uh, uh, just everything seems to align, you know, with them and with what you want, with your culture. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's giving them that choice, seeing it. And yeah, we have to bait that hook. I mean, we've got to, um, but you'll see things like you know, players will want to be at practice more. Usually mm -hmm. if you can, um, there are going to be days. I've said this to players before as well. Um, you know, I said, Josh, there are going to be days that the, that you hate the, that you hate the game of basketball, like you you have zero desire to play, and but you're going to love being around your buddies. Mm -hmm. And then there are going to be days um, that that you do you just do not want to be around your buddies, but you love the game of basketball. And and I said you've got to draw from that. And and Josh uh, Josh is a guy that played for me uh, a few years back. And but to be able to give him that to say, listen, you, you have to have a draw to it. You, you have to have a connection. You have to be tethered. Um, you, you know, and but to give that ownership, you know, you love the game. You love the players. And on the best days, you love your teammates and the game, and you love competing. And it's kind of like the trifecta in in the clouds part. <laughs> And it's a great day. Yeah. Um, and every, well, here's another thing too, um, while, while we're talking about it. everybody has more fun when everybody works as hard as they can. You can think about teams that you've played on um, or coached where, where one guy or two guys just don't care and they just don't work hard and they plant that seed of bitterness or resentment and, and you get other guys that, that are start going, well, he didn't even want to be here. Well, he doesn't work hard. He doesn't dive on the floor. He doesn't make the extra pass. He won't take a charge. But when everybody will do that, then everybody starts getting a little bit more amped. Yeah. And you can even be competitive with that. And I know I'm just kind of going from one thing to the next. But, um, you know, when we're on the same team, Matt, I'm not always going to do the heavy lifting. You're not always going to do the heavy lifting. Heavy lifting, meaning getting the job done on the court. Uh, when you're on the court, you're doing the heavy lifting. I'm on the sideline. I need to be encouraging you who are doing the heavy lifting. Mm. And my goal, if I'm competitive, it's it's a good time. I want to see how amped I can get you because I want to see if you can make one more trip down the floor. And you're wiped and you're exhausted and you're just you're just so desiring a whistle to stop. And I just want to say, 
Come on, Matt. Come on, Matt. Come on, Matt. You got this. Come on. Go, go, go. And, and it'll be funny and fun to me to watch you work. <laughs> so there are a lot of things there that you can yeah. you can do, but you've got to you've got to establish a, a climate of trust, reliability, unselfishness, uh, and, and ownership. What is your favorite culture building activity? Um, I already talked about the we versus I. Uh, two things here. Um, a number of years ago, I received from from Tim Coleman, who works with Athletes in Action. He 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 sent me a life map, and and you got to be careful with this one, uh, and it's got to be guarded. But it is my favorite, and we don't do it every year. Uh, we'll do it at, at, at different times. But a life map, you talk about five or six H's, and one of them is a heritage. So you talk about what are your geographical, ethnic, or family factors that have influenced or contributed to who you are today? Your heroes. Uh, what relationships have played a key factor in influencing who you are? Then you have high points. Uh, events or activities from different times in a person's life, uh, which constitute their most positive experiences. And then you have hard times. So heritage, heroes, high points, hard times which are pains or trials. And this is where you really got to be careful. Um, but, but difficult situations, tragedies, oftentimes this comes up um, uh, it with, with a lot of kids will start talking about divorce. Yeah. Um, and, 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 or a lot of kids will start talking about depression hmm. or, uh, or where their value comes from. Um, hard times, what still hurts? How does it still hurt? Um, how have these, how have these, um, situations affected how you view God. Um, and then you have hand of God or holy moments. What were your most life-changing experiences uh, or discoveries about God? Uh, and and, and you, you can just see, I mean, you start kind of heritage and you just dig deep. You just yeah. take this drastic deep dive and, and you start peeling back the layers and you start seeing who who, who kids and who people really are. And then you have your heart connections, uh, significant relationships, um, friendship, romance, um, how they influence life decisions or how they were instrumental in growth. How did, it, how did it affect later relationships? So you have about five or six H's there. Yeah. I call it five H's or life map. And, um, you, you know, what we will do is, is we might do that within the varsity. And typically when that happens, I will go and I'll, I'll be the first one to. So to, they're to sharing, the they're sharing these in front of everybody. In, in front of their team. In front of their team. Yeah. I've only done it with varsity. What um, was the, what was the reaction or now? So I'm assuming you're, you're in a room. You give them time, or maybe they did it even before. You gave them the outline. They were writing things down, and then you're in a room, and guys start to to share these. Like, what, what was the reaction or outcome of that? Um, well, frequency of it is we might do one a week. Okay. Uh, we if if you do everybody, if you do three or four at the same time, everything's overwhelming. Yeah. Run together, and and, and it's not going to quite stick. Mm -hmm. um, this is a this is a typical response, man. I had no idea. Mm. Uh, I've, I've had that, man. I had no idea. And you get a kid that 
you, you get a kid that knows nothing about this other player and they go, Oh man, I'm so sorry. Man, and understanding those stories too between teammates, it just might allow them to treat each other, uh, I guess, a little bit more delicately at times or, or with more understanding. They connect. Yep. Or there's that, or I've been, th- that's my, I've been through that too. I not, understand. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not the only one. Yeah, that's kind of a, yes. a great point. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so they'll connect. But the thing that you've got to say about that is, you know, as a coach, listen, we're going to do this, and this this is in our circle of trust. Yeah. And if you break this circle of trust, I will remove you from this team. So you have I mean, to set that type of standard because some of these stories are so personal and some of these things are so personal that, you just, yeah, you, you don't want it being common knowledge outside. So I, 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 I can see that. Yeah, they have to show, they have to know. I have to know that I can trust you. Yeah. One of the things that makes your story so awesome to, to, to me is how we've connected since, since 07. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and, and there are, you know, people can read the leftovers. And and I'll tell them, oh, you got to hear the rest of the story. You got to hear the rest of the story, and 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 there there's information there. Um, you know, we've had I, I can I vividly remember some of our conversations, and and um, there's there's trust there. Yeah. And and one of the neatest things is, you know, Matt, I I, I would say that you are responsible for guys, for me, uh, leaving public school and teaching in a private, uh, coaching in a private Christian school, you also are the, are the influence of Clarkson doing that. Yeah. And so who, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about knowing your story, uh, knowing a number of those ages is that we've, we've got that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's fun. You mentioned, you said there's two, that, that's one. Do you have another culture building activity that you like to do? It's, it's, it's totally informal. One of my favorite times though, and it's not, it's not a contrived activity. I love sitting in the bleachers on the front row or sitting at the score table after practice when dudes are, when practice is over and you got some guys um, on the court shooting and or or maybe most players have left the gym and you got four or five guys that are just hanging out talking mm. there's they don't have to perform they don't have to show anything there's there's a vulnerability there um, i think those are moments that you really yeah a great point and having your eyes open to those moments don't be in a hurry to get out of the gym yourself cuz those are some moments that you can dive a little bit deeper without even having to try, like you said, having something official set up. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing that I, that I think about a lot, uh, Shaka Smart, uh, when he, I remember him speaking at TABC seven, six, seven years ago. And, and or I remember hearing him somewhere say this, but he tries to take two laps around the gym and, and give everybody at least two positive touches. Mm. 
fist bump, if it's a pat on the back, pat on the shoulder, high five. He goes around to each player. Hey, how's your day? It's good to see you today. You know, um, and just and and to connect for two to three seconds, two laps around the gym. Um, the amount of uh, investment, uh, the amount of deposits that are made there, you get some mileage. You get yeah. some mileage out of it. And it becomes authentic. So it's not, that's the biggest thing too. After practice, it's authentic. Yep. You know, this life map, it's authentic. It's not, it's not fabricated. It's not, it, it's, it's, you're doing life together. And, and, and you can, you can remain at a surface level. You can show up at the gym and you can coach and you might be able to put a couple plays together. Um, but there's, um, our last state championship uh, in, in 2020, um, I had two guys that that earlier on in the season, they wouldn't even sit at the same dinner table. Hmm. Um, so we go to team camp. These two dudes don't even want to sit at the same table in a Whataburger. And the coolest thing for me was after, after that buzzer sounded, they were the first two people to lock eyes and connect. And, and I will, um, a photographer just happened to get a picture of that embrace. And that's one of the, it's one of the richest memories in my coaching career is seeing those two guys who, who God is in the business of redeeming relationships. And those two guys lock eyes and connect and they both just start balling. And, and that's authentic. They could put their differences aside, but we wouldn't have been as, we wouldn't have been nearly as good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, for sharing that. I, I love the, uh, the Shaka smart approach to getting those two positive touches. Cause that's something we're trying to discuss on, on these, with these conversations is, you know, the, the, what is get positive touches. And everybody wants to do that and create those relationships. But how? How do guys do it efficiently? And how do guys do it authentically? And I, th I love that idea of making laps around and not just saying hello, but some type of positive touch with them, a fist bump or something. I think that's something I, I'm going to implement. And I can implement that Monday. It doesn't have – I don't have to wait. It's something I can do right now. So that, that's great. That's great. And that's an individual. That's a that's a stationary ball handling thing. Yep. That's a form shooting thing. That's a hey, your dude's lacing up his shoes. Hey, you know, pat on the back. Good to good to see you today. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. And that's I've never forgotten that. That's one thing that's stuck with me. And and I think he's. Uh, I really respect him for what he's had to work for mm -hmm. while while during his time at Texas. Uh, and and I think. You'll do great things at my cap. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. What are the non-negotiables in your program? <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll just share this. I, I, I cheated a little bit. Um, and, and about 10 years ago, 10 to 12 years ago, I came up with a code of ethics. 
Um, and, uh, you know, it, let me just, I'll just kind of read these. Um, yeah. I will always act with integrity toward coaches, players, par- uh, teachers, parents, teammates, opponents, and supporters. And these can be, these can be for a player. These can be for a coach, but this is one thing when I came, I had it when I came to interview at legacy. Cause I'm not recruiting. That's another thing. I'm not recruiting. Yeah. I'm not knocking on doors. If I wanted to do that, I'd, I'd, I'd go try and be a, a college assistant somewhere. Mm. I don't have a desire to do that. And I don't have time to do that. Um, and, and, and when you do that, you sell your soul. You build, you construct a, I mix some metaphors here, but you construct a house of cards for a program and it can't, it can't have uh, deeper roots. Um, I'll respect the rights of others to hold values, attitudes, and opinions that differ from my own. I struggle with that one sometimes, <laughs> but uh, I think everybody does. Yeah. yeah. Especially, especially now when it's more outspoken. Uh, but, I, you know, these are eight, basically eight things to say that I will treat others with respect. I will play fairly respecting the game. Uh, if, if, if it's, if it's out of bounds on us, I'll tell, I'll tell the official it's out of bounds on us. I mean, now most of us know that the official is not going to change his call, but not but, like in that commercial. I don't know if you ever saw the commercial where the kid comes up, it's like, coach, I hit it out. And the coach says, go tell him. And the kid goes and tells the ref and the ref says, Oh, thank you. It changes the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not going to happen like that, but I appreciate what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, if he looks at me, I might listen, it's going this way. It's going that way, whatever. Um, but, but we're going to play the fair, we're going to play the game fairly. Do, don't dishonor the game for Pete's sake. And in, in the spirit of the game, I can find loopholes in the rules. Uh, Okay, well, good luck getting games scheduled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know when you when you play that way. Um, I'll respect my body as it's my tool for coaching or playing basketball. Uh, I'll represent my school with class, honor, and dignity, both on and off the court. I'll seek to do my best in the classroom as I do on the basketball court, understanding that education is the key to my future. Uh, I'll allow myself to be. This is a good one. I'll allow myself to be held accountable. Uh, and that's even when we come on the floor uh, coaching, mm-hmm. we submit to the authority of the officials, uh, whether we like them or not, uh, we submit to their authority. Um, the hardest, the hardest part in that is when we feel like there are moves that put our kids in danger. Uh, that, that's a, that, that can be a little tricky to navigate, uh, but I'll abide by the rules set forth by TAPS. Uh, and set forth by the school, if that's eligibility uh, or academic eligibility, as well as the coaches, knowing the rules are set and established and considered for our best interest. Um, but first and foremost, we're going to work hard. We're going to work hard. We're going to play with, inside the rules. That's what we're going to do. Um, so non-negotiables, you want to cheat, go somewhere else. If you want to come to Legacy to, uh, to, to win a basketball game, probably need to go somewhere else. Um, now if you want to come to legacy to do life at legacy and you happen to be able to put a ball through hoop, well, come on, I'm down, you know, but, but if you just want, if you only want to invest in basketball, uh, we're not going to accomplish what we, what we're setting out to accomplish. Well, we want, we want to be a little bit more holistic 
in what we're thinking. So non-negotiables, not recruiting, not cheating. Um, I just can't put my head on the pillow um, yeah. with that. I, uh, some people can, and, and but I, I can't. I'd rather lose with honor than win without it. Yeah, it's got to be. I've had a similar conversation with with parents over the years when if they're interested in coming, because I'm at a private school as well, interested in coming to faith, uh, I let them know it, it has to be more. It has to be more about you're interested in the school. You're interested in the school, the biblical infusion, the academic standards that are here. Like basketball has to be third on that list that you're interested or excited about. Because if it's first, and let's just say you don't get exactly what you want, because that's that's a high possibility for every player and every family, is the picture that they had does not turn out that way. Well, if it was all about basketball and basketball now you're frustrated with it, what's going to keep you there? Why, why, why keep going? So it, it has to be about the school. Uh, and what the school can do, the, the environment it can provide. And then, like I like how you said, if you like to put the ball in the hoop and you can do that and you want to run and gun and have some fun, then it's, it could be a pretty cool place for you. But I love those standards that you have set. Do you do, do you do, what, how, what do you do with those as far as, you know, a parent meeting, you're reading them out or you have your parent, you have your player sign it and come back to you? You know, just some more, a form of. Uh, uh, I've had Go ahead. Yeah, I've had players sign it before, a player contract. Um, I don't always. Yeah. Uh, it it kind of depends on where we are culturally, mm -hmm. um, even within our program. Um, but the player contract are, are four things. Um, number one, to be a great teammate. Number two, practice with a strong work ethic, energy, and focus. Number three, play hard each and every play with a sense of urgency. Number four, understand the hows and whys of what we're doing. I stole that. Uh, I can't remember who I stole it from. <laughs> it was it was it was a while ago. Uh, but but uh, there, I, I want to say there's an ACC coach that used that about about uh, I don't know ten years ago. They were having some. They're just they're having a rough. They hit a rough spot. And and I don't know that. Um, I don't know that he used number one, be a great teammate. But I'll have him sign it. Um, Right there, if you want. I know for all the for all the viewers, they can, they can't even read it there, but uh, um, <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> the idea being a great teammate, being a great teammate involves um, abiding by those eight bullet points of treating others with respect. That's being a great teammate. In addition to you know working hard, in addition to good energy, good focus. Um, so um, you know, I've had players sign it before. Uh, I'll tell you who who else has um, who oh forgive me I'm forgetting his name right now um, he was at David Lipscomb who was the coach at Lipscomb for a while Don Meyer Don Myers um, he had twelve comments to play here or to to play here to stay here and to win here mm. uh, definite dozen twelve bullet points. Another great one there. Um, and, and he's, you know, I've had players sign that before too. So uh, I'll, I'll change it up sometimes from the definite dozen uh, to a player contract. But, but um, again, all this stems from culture. 
How do you build confidence in your players? I'm going to go with Jason Garrett, process, not product. Uh, giving ownership. That's the second one, giving ownership. And, and, and then the third thing I would say real succinctly is, is practice. Um, how, what do we cultivate in practice? Uh, I'll, I'm just going to kind of jump through some different phrases. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Hmm. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. We see when we get into games, the idea in, in playing games should be we should co-facilitate, co-facilitate each other's best performance. I like that. Yeah. And, and two years ago, we got to do that against you. <laughs> And, and we we made each other better. Uh, I, I believe that. And and yes, we were sure we're driving our kids, we're coaching our kids hard. Um, but w- hopefully, we were co-facilitating each other's best performances there, to where you were better for it, and we were better for it. Not just better ball players, better sons, better teammates, better students, better brothers better future husbands, better future dads. You know, um, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. And when we see something come up in that bucket that we don't like, we've got to supplant that with a good habit. Hmm. If you think about this, why do you practice? So people can remember things? No, it's deeper than that. Pull the layer back. We practice because when our kids when we get into a situation where we have, have to act on default, we want that default to be a pre-programmed positive behavior. And so that's why we go through layups, left-handed layups, and we raise and we go through awkward finishes on layups so that when we get into game situations, it's not foreign. Yeah. We don't we we don't just we don't crumble under the pressure. Now we've not we've got this new sense of automaticity where we just operate automatically. That's also to me that's the most time or that's that that's the best time to coach. Uh, we struggled this year. We struggled with uh, with traps. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know how how to operate getting trapped. Um, we, we struggled getting pressured there. And and one of the highlights uh, for me was um, I don't think I'll ever forget it was seeing seeing one of my guards um, s- step into the trap, accept the contact, and then he he got his elbows out and he split the trap and he delivered a chest pass right on the money for a ball reversal. And I'm going, that's what we practice. Yeah, that's what we. We practiced not turning, I call it going fetal with the ball, yeah. covering it up. And, and we practiced not doing that. Instead, we practiced accepting that contact, stepping through, splitting, and throwing an assertive, confident, uh, high-level pass. But the key to and that, the key that, to that I, is, is the confidence comes from, because you can't just tell a player, hey, be confident against their pressure today. If deep down the player knows and you know, that they don't have a right to be confident in that. They have not prepared properly to face that pressure. So when you see them do something like you said that you've practiced, they have the right to be confident in doing that more in the future. That's right. And the reason that kids do things the way they do is because it's worked for them before. 
you know, they've operated, they operate, they, they do this because it's worked for them before, whether that's whining, complaining, getting out of a sprint, whether that's dealing with a trap, delivering a soft pass or poor form on a shot, no matter what it is, somehow, some way it's, 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 it's worked for them before. And, and so sometimes we have to say, listen, that may work for you before, but not here. It yeah, won't work here. Point. But the thing is, what we have to do is we have to rip out like a weed. We have to pull that weed out and supplant good uh, grass and soil in it to where we can grow and get stronger. So we pull out the bad and uh, plug in the good. So that comes, that, that, that develops confidence. Coaches, the Jamoti podcast is powered by Biology. What's your BSA score? The Biology Skill Assessment is the only verified skills metric endorsed by the NIA and NJCAA to discover and develop the best talent for your team. This 10-minute, 100-shot test can be taken for free today on the Biology mobile app. Elevate your game. How do you handle defeat directly after a game with your team in the locker room? Oh, man. Um, Non-COVID year. Um, usually after home games, um, after every home game, I let, I let my kids go over and see the crowd and see their fans, greet their fans. Win or loss, win or loss, uh, you, you let them go over? They're not going to hear what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, after a win, they're too excited to hear what, what we have to say. Mm-hmm. After a loss, um, after a loss... They, uh, they're not going to hear what we have to say anyway, uh, licking some wounds. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had some before where I've kept them in the locker room a long time. Um, and and, and uh, I think the joke this year was, uh, Coach, you kept us in the locker room for 22 minutes after the game. I said, well, that's one minute for each turnover. <laughs> I said, you don't want to be in there longer? Don't turn the ball over as much. You know, that's that that doesn't do a whole lot. It's not real positive. Um, it's not positive at all. It's funny though. It's funny. It, it, it is funny. And yeah. we all <laughs> and, you know, a couple games later we had a few turnovers and I said, Hey, less time. Right, I got nothing. See? <laughs> so I try you know, I try to live by that, but but um, um after a game, win or loss, home game, I I like I like our guys to go see the fans that that shows the, that the fans are appreciated um it can take some of the sting out of a loss mm. um and give kids, you it probably gives you a few minutes to calm down and allow the emotion of it to to go away as well yeah yeah you know after i go outside and break a clipboard or something like that you know um Punch no, i floor. don't do that yeah. very often uh, but I have been, or my hand. Yeah, I've been. I've broken my hand before on sideline. Um, I think you were at that game. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that wasn't after the game. Um, no. Um, uh, but in terms of getting kids, getting kids to see their friends, getting kids to see their parents, getting kids, it, that can do a couple things. Number one, it shows them a greater value. Relationships. Uh, it shows them. Uh, it, it can take some of the sting out of it. If a kid didn't play or if they didn't play well, um, they can go meet with with mom or dad or their friends. It, it, I've just found that that um, 
that that five minutes or so um, does a lot of positive things for us. Hmm. Um, I, I don't, and I kind of learned, I kind of stole that from soccer. I don't, I don't, um, I think, you know, if you watch any international soccer, which I don't watch much, but I feel like after the game, they go over and they clap their hands and kind of appreciate the fans. Yeah. And, and, and oh, that's nice. It's not, it's not like, oh, well, that's sweet, honey. It is, it, that's, that's healthy. Mm-hmm. That's healthy. And we want people to come um, um, play the role. That, that, that's a role inside of a, a culture or inside of a program. They can't do the heavy lifting, but why did, well, they can encourage the heavy lifting. Why do they yell during free throws? Because they think they can influence the game. So let's go show them that we appreciate them. And and uh, and so there are a lot of obvious things that that does, and there are some subtle things that that does as well. Um, but really, outside of that, we try and limit it. Um, I don't. I let the kids talk on the bus. Um, I don't want it to be a prison sentence. I would rather have kids come on the bus and enjoy. Sometimes we'll stop by Quick Trip. On the way home, uh, we've been known to do that before. I had stopped by Quick Trip. Everybody gets a, you know, a big queue and a bag of chips or whatever. And and um, again, we enjoy fellowship, and it gives me time to think about it. Um, there are, t- you know, I've done a lot of things, but those are probably the most practiced things. Uh, I think I think those are great ideas, great ideas, and I'll, uh, I, I I think helping us as coaches to get past what maybe what our high school coaches did just because they did it that way doesn't mean it's the right thing to do right now like if we lost a game not coaches didn't want to hear a peep out of us on the way home I, I you know let the let the guys enjoy each other enjoy the time that they have um I, I think those are great reminders I mean you know I've never known a I've never known a coach that wants to lose. Yeah. I've never met one. And for that matter, when kids are signed up to be on a team, um, I don't think they want to lose. I think, I think they want to succeed. And, uh, you know, um, and, and so, you know, that, that's every team's different. Every team handles it differently. Some kids, you know, it's in the same way that, you know, when you have my kids, my sons handle discipline different. You know, you, we always hear about, well, the one, you know, the one kid you look at, you look at them like sternly and they start crying and you look at the other one sternly and they go, what, you know, um, every kid handles it differently. Yeah. Um, I have found that more, um, I don't, I don't think I've had to reaffirm what I've said on the following day's practice. You know, so if we lose on Tuesday and we practice on Wednesday, I don't think I've ever gone back and said, hey, guys, remember what I said last night? Usually it's, hey, guys, I need to tell you I'm sorry for what I said last night. Mm, Yeah. You know, we just we can tend to spit venom and and destroy confidence and we can make major withdrawals out of the culture of our program based on how we respond to a loss. And the other thing, you know, you look at, you look at um, mindset or culture code, you know, mindset, Carol Dweck and culture code, Daniel Coyle. And they talk about a growth mindset. Um, 
love watching you work hard. Love watching you work hard. Uh, it's good watching you grind. Good watching you struggle. Good watching you make some adjustments. A lot of good things there. Mm-hmm. It'll keep it'll keep them coming back for more, and it starts giving them more ownership of. Oh, this is how we operate. It's based on how we operate, not our results. This is one that uh, you did not write down, but I wanted to ask you specifically because <laughs> with all your uh, experience and coaching and being being a part of this, uh, yeah. Somebody said the other day, as a Don Meyer quote, they said, uh, "It's our job; it's their game." the player's game, but it's our job, but, but we got to make sure we approach it. It's their game. It's not their job. It's our job. Uh, so you've, you've gone through a lot and, and, and had so much experience. So the question is, what's one thing you would do differently if you could start over in coaching? You know, I answered that. I wrote, I wrote some notes down on that one. Um, I'd write it all down. If I was an assistant, I'd write, I'd write it all down. I'd keep, I'd keep a little pocket-sized moleskin and a pen uh, in my pocket, and I would write it. If something happened in practice that I didn't, that I didn't particularly want to adopt when I became a head coach, I'd write it down. If there's something that I did want to adopt, I'd write it down. Um, and the reason is because when you when you become a head coach, you you can't you can't remember what you what you tried to remember, <laughs> you forget it. Um, instead, it can be, listen, I don't want standing in practice. Um, I don't. I never want lines of more than four guys. Whatever that is, um, too much talking, practice goes too long, short practice, you know, lack of direction, lack of focus, whatever. Um, you know, um, I'd write it all down. And, and I think that's really, really, really important um, for any coach to do really. Right. Not um, just, not just guys starting out or, or that are trying to work their way up. I think that's a great idea for, for all of us. Cause there's been so many times either during a practice or after practice that you, you, you try to make that mental note of that worked really well. And we need to continue that or enhance it, or, or we, we need to adjust. And, and here's how I think we can do it better, but man, relying on yourself to remember those things. That's a dangerous game right there. So the habit of having something that you can write down is, is great. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's one thing I'll, I'll try and have uh, any aspiring assistants do. I mean, sometimes you can write it down on the practice plan. Um, but, but to be able to, you know, just to be able to write it down, um, you know, you can just, you can just look at things. You can look at things in there. Um, you know, Hey, walking from drill to drill um film you know uh hey we need crate and re- you know, crate and rebounding whatever the drill is we're jogging from uh from outlet uh you know from the lane to the outlet or transition whatever you see just just write it down if it's a culture thing you write it down if it's a start you know whatever it is good or bad you just write it down because we'll forget it mm-hmm out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Thank you for um, sharing that's, that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, here's what I, here's what I typed. I would keep a little moleskin notebook with me in every practice and write down what I will and won't do in my programs. Mm. And it's not meant to be critical. That needs to be highly confidential. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, let's give credit where credit is due. Scott Imes and Kyle Kyle Lintelman were <laughs> my first year as head coach. <laughs> I'm seeing these guys off in the corner write stuff down. I'm going, it became, I became a bit more insecure. Tons of stuff that I wouldn't do that this guy's doing right now. <laughs> What's going on? Is there a mutiny? You know, it went that bad, but I asked him, I said, hey, what, what am I, what are you guys writing down? And then I had to ask them as the head coach and to be ready for this. Would you mind sharing that with me? Well, I think we need to have a growth mindset too. You know, not just you know, we get to this point where we're head coaches now. It's the idea that we can't uh, learn or adjust or be told that something's not the best that it could be. You know, you don't want to get to that point. And so, yeah, being authentic and open to change and what other guys have to say is huge. Well, and, and you think about this when when I loved having Scott Imes and Kyle Lintman on my staff. They were fantastic, um, and 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 Kyle's gone to do. Uh, great things um, and doing great things at Naaman and uh, and Scott Imes has gone on on to do some great stuff in basketball when he was at McKinney and stuff like that. Uh, but the the thing is, when you have your head coach up at the top, the horizontal communication is so natural. When you and I were an assistant for Clarkson, we would we might talk about some things, but the 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 challenge became the vertical communication yeah. uh because you know we would talk about stuff we put in a notebook well when i'm a head coach i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that well really that's the stuff that jeff needed to hear mm. and 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 not I, he was totally open to it but what's what is okay to share what is acceptable to share but to open up that vertical communication because ultimately that helps us be the best we can be coaches the one thing that every team needs is confident shooters. The last eight years at Grapevine Faith, our teams have averaged 354 made threes each season. I love getting to share with coaches how our shooters train and more importantly, how they think. If you would like to enhance your shooting culture at your school, contact me directly at jamodipodcast at gmail.com. Coach, I think it's time yeah. for the speed round. The speed round is about 30 seconds. I'm going to throw out some quick questions to you. The first thing that pops in your head, you got to answer it. First thing. Michael Scott. Michael Scott. Michael Scott. First one. You ready? Favorite ice cream flavor? Um, Boy, strawberry. Favorite soda? Do. I, I just chose that one because I knew I knew it. For high school, shot clock or no shot clock? Yes, shot clock. Texting or talking? Talk. Favorite holiday? Oh, man, Christmas. Favorite NBA player of all time? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. Thirty. I don't have 30 seconds for this answer. I love uh, Last Dance, Michael Jordan. Nice. Invisibility or super strength? Um, I'm invisible when people close their eyes. <laughs> Strength. Place you most want to travel. Man. All-inclusive resort inside the tropics. Nice. Favorite childhood TV show? Oh, man. Dukes of Hazard. Nice. Last one. Godfather or Star Wars? 
Oh boy. There's a lot riding on this one. There, there, there is a lot. Um, with the, the subtle nuances, I'd, I'd probably go Godfather. Okay. I, I appreciate that. Most coaches say Godfather. And then there's only been a few that have said Star Wars, which is the movie that I would choose because of my dad. I mean, that's what we watched growing up. He was a Trekkie Star Wars guy. So I grew up with that. And uh, But not many coaches dig Star Wars and the sci-fi stuff. They, they're, they're all about Godfather. Well, I, I love Star Wars, but again, it's where your mind goes. You're kind of going, okay, this is about culture. It's about, okay, you know, it, and, and then when you have however many Star Wars movies, it can tend to get a little watered down. Yeah. yeah I mean, almost like, you know, Star Wars 4, 5, and 6, the good ones, or 1, 2, and 3, the bad ones. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But, hey, man. Uh, this was no awesome, brainer. and you were great. I, I just I loved hearing your 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 thoughts and answers, and I'm really thankful for the time that you that you gave me this morning. So fun. I mean, this is the stuff. To me, you know, this is the stuff that's so worth. Like this is people don't have. Uh, can we talk about one or two more things? Yeah, one, one or two more things. Um, number one, coaching pedigree. I want to talk about coaching pedigree. None of this is on there, and I thought about that's okay. This. Yeah, and and um, and as I was going through the questions, thinking about that, developing culture, the value that coaching pedigree has. What 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 I was able to learn through to start off through David Peeler's uh, feeder program. And then to come and coach uh, under and with Jeff, um, I've been told before um, by folks that I trust the value of being able to coach under them, hmm. learn under them, and grow under them, and have those as relationships. It's invaluable. So the value of a coaching pedigree is is uh, you know is massively helpful because you learn how to do it or how not to do it. And, and, and if you have, if you're fortunate, like you and I, I think have been, you know, you learning from Wes and from Jeff, uh, as long as just, you understand, we've been able to avoid so many coaching pitfalls because of that. Definitely. Yep. You know, and, and that, that, that's, that's another one. But then the other thing, you know, you talk about coaching pedigree, um, for for us to be able to sit around a table and eat chips and salsa um, and talk with McFerrin or Ryburn or Clark, I mean, a handful of these coaches and to sit around, um, you guys are my Mount Rushmore of coaches. Uh, yeah, um, coaches that'll tell me when I'm not being a good husband, not being a good dad, um, avoiding pitfalls in coaching to, to be able to have that, to be able to have a Mount Rushmore of coaches, um, is, is invaluable as well. I think that's one of the coolest things about the profession is the relationships. One coach said if he could, when, when, uh, talking about going back and doing it over, he would look at the opposing coaches 
more as competitors instead of enemies. He said early on in his career, he looked at them as enemies and he didn't reach out and build many relationships. I thought that's a great, that's a great reminder is the, the fraternity of coaches that we have and being able to do life together, share things. Uh, that's, it's just as rewarding as what it is when you see players light bulbs turn on. I got that. Mount Rushmore coaches. You read that one? The uh, Wisdom, Lunch Wisdom Lunch Warrior by Rod Olson. Okay. Um, good one. Um, I've never heard of that. Short yeah. Rod Olson's, uh, you know, similar to John Gordon. Okay. But to have a Mount Rushmore of coaches, you know, to have you and and Jeff and uh, Chris and Jeremy to have you guys where all I have to do is pick up a phone or a group text. That's where texting is so invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you can, you know, Hey Cole, you need to go to your kids, you know, activity. Hey, you know, don't worry about this and you know, what swords to fall on, what not, because to have guys that are in the profession, but not in the situation and can shed light on wisdom because we have similar philosophies on life and on coaching. I appreciate you saying that. I mean, I'm, I'm honored to, I'm honored to be on anybody's mountain. I, uh, hurry. <laughs> I'll take it. But, uh, but no, uh, you're, you're definitely, I mean, you're one of the guys that I look up to and I really appreciate not just from where, 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 when I started, you were kind of there with me as an assistant for Jeff, but then, you know, out of all of our group, like you, You've you've won two state championships, and I know you're you're humble, and you would say we had, you had really good players. That's obviously a big part of it, but the ability that you had to get them to play together and to win two years in a row that's incredible. So besides just the friendship that we have, and what I've been able to learn from you as a father and and as a coach and everything that you do, but you're also but your your success is incredible, and in, in what you've been able to accomplish. Well, what's uh, thank you for saying that kind words. Um, you know, when you're, when you're 17 and 56 coming out of name and for us in 20, uh, in, in, in 2015, 2016, you're kind of going, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that I'm ever going to get to coach anywhere again. <laughs> well, th let me ask you that because that's, that's interesting. You, you have had so much success at legacy. But yeah, you you inherited you know a program from from Jeff that was just in a, a different place, a different time with with players and participation and things. And so you went through some tough years, like you just said, seventeen and fifty six. When you go to a new school, how do you protect your confidence from what you've just been through to now going to a new school where I'm trying to sell a vision to them about what we can do together? How do you protect that confidence as a coach? Um, again, uh, coaching confidence, not confidence, but confidence. Uh, um, you know, we would, my first year at Legacy, we, we took a retreat, a basketball retreat, and on the way up, uh, we stopped at, we stopped at, uh, OU. This is when Buddy Heald was there. Um, he was, He's, he's a, just a fantastic player. Um, and, and we watched their whole practice from when guys walked out 
to when guys did shooting afterward. And the drills were, were very similar in nature. Mm. Were very similar. You know, you might, you might see some, some small differences in, in rotations and in, and, in, and in sequences and stuff. But in terms of passing drills, dribbling drills, press breaking, I mean, you, you see, you kind of, you kind of lean over and you go, well, we work on that. Well, we work on that. We work. It's, um, protect, Matt, I would, protecting confidence. Um, I don't know that I pr protected my confidence. Hmm. I mean, very, very honestly. Um, I, I protected my principles, not not like administrators, but uh, you know, principles, P-L-E-S. Right. Um, what I will do, what I won't do. Um, and the game wasn't that much different. Our players were in di at different levels. Um, and, and um, you know, I, I, I was, I was strangely enough. Yeah. Jeff leaves in 2012, 2013 uh, to go to Plano East and, and graduated, I believe in nine or 11 that year. Yeah. Um, and so we had to totally, we had, we, we returned eight varsity points a year yeah. or eight per, per game, something like that. Um, you know, five minutes of varsity a game so we you know out of a total of a what is it 100 160 minutes we had eight <laughs> we were we were just green we we're in a different place interestingly enough we were back there this we we're we we're we we're similar to that stage this year at legacy mm. we graduated we graduated uh five or six two years ago then we graduated nine last year and uh, coming off a massive success. And now here we are, not a lot of varsity experience. What do we do? In my experience in 2013, uh, 2012 and 13, helped prepare me for, for the, this past yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Coach Driscoll talked about dots on a map. And uh, you look back mm -hmm. through your life and you can just see these points that you, at the time you maybe were asking, why is this happening? Or I don't understand how this can be good or what the plan is. But then as you, Bob, and we even go through life, you can look back at those dots on the map and see. So you went through those hard years at Naaman Forest to prepare you for leading the men, the young men that you have now through a similar situation at Legacy. And how to transition the program, how to lead the program through that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I haven't walked home. I've, <laughs> I haven't walked. No two-hour walks? <laughs> it's since Since... You know, I learned that lesson, um, you know, but, but what I would say is I don't know that I've protected my confidence. Um, I was really, I think I was broken, mm. broken and a, uh, a little humble. I don't know if that's, uh, you, you know, yeah, it's, it's always strange when somebody calls themselves humble. <laughs> um, I'm the most but, humble person I know. <laughs> yeah yeah what, what is it? I, I i'm so humble uh I, I i wrote a book on humility and it's a new york times bestseller that's right. yeah that's right um but anyway protecting confidence i i don't think i did i don't think i was able i all of the callus had been torn off 
of, of, of me coaching what, what works, what doesn't, well, these things work. I know they work. It's, it's what I learned. It's I've coached, I've, I've, I've coached it before successfully. It's, it's proven to be a successful building block. Um, you know, but, but there was just pruning going on. Mm. Um, and, and you learn that, you know, you don't have to get real wacky. You don't have to be a mad scientist. Um, but I, yeah, that, those were some hard years and, um, and it's been much easier on, on me at legacy. It's more of a, it's, I think it's more of a fit. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.